listener production. I don't know if you're like me, but I love sad movies. I really love ugly crying on a couch, inconsolable over someone else's misery, which is weird because I really hate feeling overwhelmed with my own sadness or anger or that kick in the guts feeling you get when someone hurts you or one of my worst feelings is when I think I'm going to hurt someone else and I have this, just this fear that makes me feel sick in the stomach. I hate feeling feelings. Like it makes you feel powerless. It can derail your day. It feels like you've lost control and it hurts. You know, it feels horrible. Feeling feelings can feel awful. (laughs) This episode is about our emotions and what to do with them because our emotions can influence our behaviours, our thoughts, our relationships in ways that can really damage our lives. My co-host is Dr. Jamie Lee. Hi there, Jamie. Hi, Joe. So, Jamie, I'm sure that you're familiar with that sensation when the feeling of pain or hurt or anger or whatever you're feeling is so great that you don't even know what to do with yourself. You know that sensation when you just feel really kind of unsettled, you can't even be still? Or I've had times when I felt almost like I'm folded in on myself physically. Are you familiar with that? Yes. (laughs) It can be so hard. It feels awful. And Joe, I want to share a recent experience with you, and it's connected with our conversation today. My partner, Tom, he and I went on a road trip to Uluru earlier this year. Now, Tom loves road trips. He just loves them. Whereas I'm just not as big of a fan. Didn't grow up with it. Not as close to the road trip scene. Um, And a few years prior, um, I just had a terrible experience on a road trip. I was in a car with my ex-boyfriend at the time. We were in France beautiful southern France. I've done a road trip in France, by the way. It's amazing, but gee, it can really bring out some emotions. It really can. (laughs) And what I saw was that he actually started getting really angry. It led to multiple fights. I saw a very aggressive side of him, but I was trapped in a car and I could not leave. And I left as soon as I could, you know, once we got out of rural France and the buses were working again, but it was really difficult. Now, fast forward three years. I know that Tom is not my ex-boyfriend, but the day before we went on this road trip to Uluru, I just kept feeling this tightness in my chest and I had difficulty breathing. And I kept telling myself, just calm down, you're fine. You know, I thought it would go away. And Tom could tell I was just not okay. He, he asked me, what's going on? I said, I'm fine. I'm a bit nervous about tomorrow. It'll pass. Don't worry. Now it's 9 p.m. I've had my evening shower and Tom's like, you're still not okay. What's going on? And I just burst into tears. I was just sobbing uncontrollably and shaking. And he, look, he just sat there and let me cry it all out. Then after about 30 minutes and the crying and shaking passed, I actually just felt so much better. Mm. The tightness in my chest was gone. And I'm like, wow, simple as that. All I had to do was feel my emotions. It felt not so great and I didn't really want to do it, but the moment I felt them, it all passed. And we ended up having a great time on that road trip. Okay, so this is this is like me sitting on that couch watching those sad movies. You've got to kind of cry it out. There's a physical processing of yeah. that feeling in yeah. a way. So what is the connection between our emotions, like our feelings, and our physical sensations? And if our body is a map to understanding ourselves better 
Can we change the way we feel by changing our physical experience? Mm. I'm really excited to be talking about this with today's guest, Giten Tonkov. He is a master of using the body and our breath who has helped thousands of people around the world. He's the author of Feel to Heal and the founder of the Biodynamic Breathwork and Trauma Release System. Hi there, Giten. Hello. Nice to be here with you. So now I've always been told that I'm too emotional, Giten, just to give you a little insight into what I'm like. I've been told that I overreact a lot. And when we're talking about feelings, does that mean, do you think, that I feel my feelings more than other people? And I'd love your insight in this too, Jamie. Do I feel things more or do we all feel the same? It's just that some of us express more and some of us are more tempered in our feelings. We all wired to feel, but some of us are conditioned to express more and others are conditioned to express less. So we, for the fear of being reprimanded, for the fear of not being accepted, we hold back our emotions and uh, we, we all grow up in a different families and some families are very comfortable with their feelings and emotions and expressing them and other families are not. And also culturally, many cultures are very open in expressing their emotions and some cultures aren't. Yes. Interestingly, I would say that at times you feel like you're not entitled to feel things growing up, certainly within some families. Oh, in my family... I would say they're very expressive and they're quite loud. I come from a large Asian family, so dinners are a massive party every time. (laughs) But whenever it comes to actually expressing deep emotions, culturally, Chinese culture is not a, you know, it's a bit more repressed, the emotions. You, You tend to not show your emotions or you only show happy emotions, but the tougher ones, you don't, you don't show them as much. And I think sometimes we are made to feel like we're bad people if we are expressing those harder, more difficult, more negative emotions. Yes, that's correct. We, Like I said earlier, for the fear of reprimand, being reprimanded when we're growing up, we stop to expressing ourselves. And Geetan, when you're constantly reprimanded for expressing yourself, does that lead to anything in the body or like with your mind? Have you seen anything like that? Absolutely. We naturally begin to contract and hold back. So the physical tension actually begins to develop in our body. This is what we call developmental trauma. When we're growing up Mm. and uh, we are trying to express, uh, we want to express, this is a natural function with every one of us, but every, um, every desire to express uh, be, begins to get interrupted. So we naturally contract and we hold our expression within. So our throat contracts, our tension in the jaw begins to build. And the way that we approach this with biodynamic breath work, we approach this by working with different areas of the body and the throat and the jaw have to do with expression. And mm. usually the emotions of, um, let's say, anxiety or anger or even fear is held right here in the throat and the jaw. And I wanted to go back to what, when you talked about developmental trauma. And by this, I guess I would love to clarify for the listeners, it could be something as simple as, you know, a child makes some noise and he's having a lot of fun and the parent says, shh, be quiet, the adults are talking. 
So even something as little as that can, you know, you're stopping that natural expression of the child, which can lead to the contraction. It's completely innocent, but it happens all the time. I really relate to what you're talking about when you're told to sort of silence yourself mm. and the way you're feeling. And gradually what happens is you decide that your your feelings aren't valid. Mm. And that you're not worthy of having feelings. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's exactly what happened. We want to please our parents. Our survival depends on them. So we begin Mm. to do what they tell us. And that's actually, that's how we give up our individuality and start to develop personality. So personality, Mm. it's this, it's an outer shell that the most outer um, level that we relate to with the world. And when we hold ourselves back, when we hold our expression, it all begins to to develop uh, in the form of tension. It's stored in the form of tension in our body. And this tension has many layers. Can we go back a step? What is happening to our bodies when we feel extreme emotions? What what physiology is there to expressing, you know, or to feeling our, our um, anger or sadness or fear? Mm. So, Joe, how our brains have evolved and developed over time, we've got our most primitive part of our brain. That's the, the reptilian brain. It's our brain stem. It's where our most reactive um, automatic responses in our body are. Now, you can imagine overlaying literally just like, you know, you hold a fist and you overlay that with another hand. That's your emotional brain. That's your limbic system. And this is one where we've developed more as mammals, but it's still a pretty old part of the brain. And then as humans have evolved, we've then developed what I call a third brain, which is our executive function, our thinking brain, layered over on top of that, almost like, like an avocado where you've got different layers. What's interesting is that all three parts of your brain are connected. Now, your emotional brain and your reptilian brain, that old part of your brain, they're very reactive and they respond incredibly quickly, much quicker than your thinking brain, right? And when you're feeling emotions, it's a flood of neurochemicals and hormones that get released from the emotional brain throughout your whole body. And so, hence, you feel... Numbness, it could be tingling, could be warmth. It can be all sorts of different sensations that's in the body in response to those neurochemicals and hormones. Um, and this is one of the reasons why the, the body is a great map to understanding what could be going on inside. Mm-hmm. But is there a reason why it seems the, the bad or the negative emotions are more extremely felt than happy, positive emotions? Or is that just a perception? I think it's just a perception. We can always uh, also be overwhelmed by happy emotions as well as we can get overwhelmed by negative emotions. Emotions are emotions. It's the mind, our mind puts them into categories, positive, negative. All it is is energy in motion. That's what emotions are. It's our body releases this energy and it's it moves through, as Jamie pointed out, there's all these chemicals that are being produced by our brain, by our adrenals, and it's how we process it. Yeah, so we are so much used to... Um, process positive emotions because they're more accepted in our society, Mm -hmm. in our family. And everybody's probably had this 
experience with the mother or father, don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> so, so we start to, to bottle it in. Don't cry. Okay. I'm going to not cry. I'm going to, I'm going to repress it. I'm going to do whatever I can. And this develops the tension. We, of course, we, tighten up, not to allow the expression of it. Mm. And so I guess then we would be holding this tension all different parts of our bodies if we don't process our emotions and we don't allow ourselves to express it. That's what I'm hearing from you. That's correct. The tension begins to build. And this can even occur in the schoolyard. It can occur through interactions with friends. It can occur when you're an adult at work, right? It's all sorts of different forms of trauma or experiences that you go through that is coming at a time when you're emotionally, physically, psychologically not prepared for it. Maybe um, I would say a few words what actually trauma is. Trauma is not in the event, it's in our system. So our body releases Mm. uh, chemical responses due to the situation. So when our body produces, let's say, adrenaline in a fight or flight situation, and we have a chance to allow this uh, production of adrenaline to go through its cycle and then diminish, and uh, the fight or flight has the chance to complete itself, there is no trauma. The trauma only happens, uh, settles in in the body if the response becomes interrupted and incomplete. So the energy is released into the body, but not processed. So it settles in the tissues. And if this happens over and over again, that it's kind of layer and layer of traumatic responses that are stuck in our system. So I guess if I take it back to a very, you know, ancient times, it's as if we're hunters, there's a bear coming, we get the flight and fight response, and we can either run away and we actually do those actions to run away. And so that helps us complete the cycle. Or we've got that rush of adrenaline and we face the bear and we fight it. And that also helps us complete the cycle. But what I'm hearing is if in modern times now, since we're not usually facing a bear, what's happening is we're not usually turning to fight whatever it is the experience is, probably don't have the opportunity to run away. And so that means it's stopping the cycle. So we're kind of absorbing and and internalizing it, but it sits in us. Exactly. Our body keeps releasing this response to the stimulation, but we're not processing it. We're not allowing it to complete itself. So it's like you, you said, you're backed into the corner by a wild animal. Your body wants to run away, wants to defend itself, and it's just not possible. So the next stage that comes is freeze, dissociation. Yeah. So the mm-hmm. fight or flight gets interrupted or, or there is no way to run, nowhere to run. We, we check out. And that's why people uh, spend so much time daydreaming and disconnected. Mm. Oh, disconnected in relationships where you think you're sitting next to your partner or your, you know, mm. your parent And actually, you're not connected emotionally in any way. I think that's a really common response to sitting, you know, with feelings that you don't know how to express. I wonder if a good analogy too is when you hear about people speak about like a physical trauma Mm -hmm. and you end up with a scar. So say you fall over and you, you know, or maybe you're knocked off your bike and you have a, a, a 
you know, big greys, that's considered like a physical trauma to the body and you get the scar there. Mm. So an emotional trauma is sitting in you like a scar as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Long lasting effects. Well, this was my question, Gitan. Can it, does it sit there forever? Like if I've experienced a trauma emotionally 10 years ago and I've not actually somehow worked with that and we'll get to how we work with that in a minute, um, but does it stay there? For many people, it would stay there and it would stay in, it would reflect in, in the physical body. In what ways? In the way that we contract, in the way that we relate to people, um, in, in the way that we relate to ourselves, in the, in the way that we relate to our environment and to stimulation that we receive from outside. Right. So that's where you kind of get this, this notion of, a, we hear this word so often, trigger these mm. days, the trigger is there because the hurt is still in us and we are easily kind of returned to that hurt by something current. Yeah, exactly. A sti- uh, um, situation that reminds us of the original situation that was traumatic, we respond in the same way. Like uh, Jamie, you shared in the beginning about your uh, road trip. So you were reacting in exactly the same way with your current partner as you did from the situation that happened before. So your body was mm-hmm. kind of expecting that it will be the same exact scenario. And in reality, it may not be, but mm-hmm. we are programmed to kind of go into this perpetuating um perpetuating movement and keep repeating the situation until it resolves itself. Our body's programmed to, uh, to complete that interrupted response, whether Mm -hmm. it's physical or emotional trauma, we want to complete it. So we look for ways to do it unconsciously or consciously. I went through some really uh, dark and sad times because um, I was unable to have more children and I had a pram in my roof and I couldn't throw that pram out. I just couldn't because it represented, I suppose, closing that door to something I desperately wanted. But also there was a real, some kind of strange pleasure I got from the sadness of having that pram there. And I would go and visit that pram in my roof and I'd cry for hours sometimes. And it was this strange, almost an addiction to what that made me feel is that do we do we repeat destructive behaviors because of the chemicals in us? It's possible. There are so many uh, reasons why this can happen, but being addicted to the chemical responses is by far I think the most uh, popular one. I mean for me the healing came in many different ways and I think therapy has a real place and and uh writing and uh time as well. But um, it, I certainly got a lot, a lot out of many hours of crying and that physical mm. sensation of just washing, washing the sort of the grief. Yes, and you allowed yourself to be with it without disconnecting it. So it had the chance to move through. You did not repress it. And many people disconnect from it. They become numb, they drink, they watch TV and, and they just disconnect from physicality. You allowed yourself to feel the emotion. Once, when we said that once emotion is felt, it moves through. And um, for you, it, it, 
you know, it was crying for, for, for hours on end. But then the space is created, this lightness created in the body. What was lovely, Joe, is that you, you didn't rush the process of removing the pram. No. You actually <laughs> allowed yourself to sit with it and feel your emotions. Yeah, my daughter, who's now 11, she was nine when I finally got rid of that pram. So it sat in the mm. roof for a good seven years. Mm. And I'd visit it and uh, I'd literally go and visit that pram in the roof. What I find fascinating is that emotions and memory formation are part, in the same part of the limbic system. Right. All right. So I actually um, have read before that trauma just creates a different type of memory than regular events. You know, day to day, I can barely remember my shopping list or what I was meant to do. <laughs> Whereas in a traumatic memory, it fires up a specific part of your brain that's very visual. And you can almost remember in cinematic detail that event. Mm. And it replays over and over again. And this hijacks your thinking brain. It takes you back to that, to that memory. It's as if you're reliving it. Mm. So what do we do, Giten? You know, we've got these feelings that we're not enjoying because they're the, what we term negative. How do we process that? What do we do with it? Just talking about it doesn't really work. Yeah, we, we, we bring it into a, a conscious level and to just discuss it, it kind of spins in circles. What the best way that I found to do it, to work with it is to go through the physical body. So we address the tension that's stuck in the body from that incomplete um, response and allow our body to complete that response. And as I said, our body is always looking for that possibility to complete that response. And once we provide that possibility, it does go there. So the way that I work with it is through biodynamic breath work, which includes six elements. First of all is breath. So we use the breath to, to activate the sympathetic response just slightly. So that sympathetic response that was there originally in, in the time of traumatic event, we want to activate it so we have something to work with. And deep connected breathing does just that. So once we activated this response, we take that energy that they, since the oxygen, bringing more oxygen into the body generates more energy in the body. So we take that energy into the movement and that helps the, the movement that helps the movement of that energy through our system. And it's kind of, um, if you have a stream that's, um, the, something, the debris is blocking the stream, and then you put more water through that stream, the debris is dissolved by the water running through it. So the tension that we hold in the body begins to dissolve in uh, it, through the energy moving through. And with that tension dissolving, the emotions that that are held in that tension start to arise to the surface. So the breath, movement, Emotional expression is the next is the next element that we bring in because the emotions are trapped in that tension coming up to the surface. Then we bring in uh, either body work when we're working in one on one in in person or self body work when we're working online. 
So you bring your own touch to your body to either stimulate or resource to help the movement of that energy. And vocalization is another element that we, while we use our voice, we open up the expression, we relax the, the throat. So the energy that's coming up from the bottom has the chance to release. Then we bring in the touch to work around the jaw to release that tension. So even if we, if the energy makes it past the throat, you need to open your mouth to open, to allow the voice to come out. And uh, the, the last element that we bring is meditation. So meditation gives a possibility to, to look at ourselves objectively. So you're not stuck in the mind analyzing. You are actually being with what is, we're using the felt sense, we're present to the experience, and then kind of bringing it all together so insights can arise. In the meditation, you're not using your mind, you're observing everything. And that's the beautiful experience when you're not just coming to realization through a thought process, but rather through insight. I find it really challenging though, and I think most of us do, to really recognise what I'm feeling in my body. I don't think we're very good at interpreting how we're feeling physically. Uh So that's when a very important sense comes in is our felt sense. Yeah. Felt sense is actually our physical experience without attaching any meaning to it. And the way that we use the concept Uh of felt sense is if, let's say, for example, you're angry and the expression of that anger is that you tightening your fist, you tightening your jaw, you're, you're tightening your shoulders, you start to breathe uh, more shallow and faster. So if you separate the feeling of anger from the body sensations without giving it any meaning, you're just feeling the body sensations and then you're not stuck because if you are using your felt sense and you're following that thread of sensation, it's bound to change very quickly. And it's, it's always moving. It's, 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 it's a constantly changing, changing sense. So is the idea to not attach a value to your emotions? It's actually separating the physical sensations from the emotion itself. When you do that, you allowing the emotion to work its way through. And usually uh, the life cycle of the emotion is about 90 seconds or so, if you just let it pass. Mm-hmm. But people get stuck in it because they forget about the physical body and they dive into the emotion and then the emotion takes over. And it's kind of, it becomes kind of addictive. It's a chemical addiction. Each emotion produces certain chemicals in the body. So we are getting addicted to the chemicals that emotions produce. But when we separate that, when we stay with the body, emotion comes and it goes and we're not stuck. Only 90 seconds. It's amazing. Yeah. 
So what actually we hold on to is the thought rather than the actual physical reaction to the emotion. Absolutely. Well, an emotion is really a subjective experience. It's the psychological component plus the physical reaction that happens in your body and a behavioral response. I think where we often get caught up in is the psychological experience. So we feel angry and we follow that thread of the anger to go, my goodness, I feel angry. Why am I feeling angry? And then you start like saying, I'm angry at you. Oh, I feel guilty for being angry now. Mm. Um, When actually, if you just let it run through, what I'm hearing is that in 90 seconds, it will pass and all you have to do is actually name your feeling. Yes, you can do that. Um, We all seen a child going into expression of anger and they go for it Mm. and they're not attached to it. They go fully for it and within a minute or two, they're done. And then they're laughing and, and, and doing something mm. else. So they're not conditioned in that way to spin out and, and judge themselves. So Geetan, then what do we do as adults? It, you know, we, we work, we're, we're out in public. You know, if we're feeling angry, we can't just suddenly process it right there in the moment mm. like a child because we get looked at like we're crazy. That's so right, yeah. How, do you, how can we do that walking around in this world as an adult? So the best way that I found is to actually bring it to the level of the body to notice how this emotion, we're, for now we're talking about anger. So how is this emotion reflected in the physicality? So you're not just going into that level of the emotion, but you are connected to how it's reflected in the actual physical sensations. And when you feel those physical sensations, you can actually change your breath and, and remove that, move that energy physically. So the emotion will pass together with the change of the physical sensations. So stay in present as much as possible. Tracking the felt sense will be supporting you to not get stuck. And to, and to move the sensations. Of course, you're not going to throw a temper tantrum in the supermarket. Well, I have been going to. I try to avoid it, though. It tends to put people off their shopping a touch. But I do think, Itan, that what you're describing is a mindfulness response to feeling something in that you notice where it is in your body, you bring breath to that, And just by doing that, you're slowing down your response and your reaction to the situation. doesn't mean you don't feel it. Of course, you're going to continue feeling the sadness. You're going to continue feeling whatever it is, but it's about slowing down your response and going, I'm not a bad person. I I don't judge myself for it. I'm just feeling it. It just is. It's not good or bad. It just is. Yes. And that's exactly it's. We are so good to go into reaction, but changing reaction to a response and the mm. that needs uh, some time in between so when we are mm. automatically shifting our attention from the emotion to the physicality this this gives us this time to respond instead of reacting so you might not you know necessarily be able to stop down and you know do a full physical res- exercise of some kind wherever you might be say you're at work and something has happened that really upsets you, but you can, you can take 60 seconds to draw your attention to your body rather than focus on your thoughts, can't you? That's why actually the breath works very well and very quickly 
So changing the way that we're breathing within um, actually a few breaths, up to five, 10 breaths in a row, starts to change our physiology, starts to change our um, chemical responses in the body, and that changes our state. Can you show us now what might be a very quick, very, very short exercise we could take into our day if we're feeling really overwhelmed? Absolutely. There's a beautiful technique. Uh, It's called four, seven, eight. So you breathe in on four, you hold on seven, and you breathe out on eight. So let's do it together. Okay. Breathe in on count of four. One, two, three, four. Hold your breath. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Breathe out on eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, so you could do that a few times over wherever you might be. I tell you, that instantly relaxes your shoulders, doesn't it? I love it. I love this technique. And breathing is a direct link to our brain. How, how in what way? Oh, it's that, uh, you've spoken about it, the vagus. Yeah, well, through mm. the vagus nerve, right? It, it, it links your conscious mind and what we have control over. And through it, we're able to influence our physiology on the inside. And it can instantly, you know, as Gieten was saying, it can instantaneously change our physical and emotional and, and mental state because the more slow we breathe, that activates the vagus nerve. When we activate our vagus nerve, that helps us relax. It's the parasympathetic nervous system. Whereas the faster we breathe, the more we activate the sympathetic nervous system. So that's our stress response. So the faster we breathe, the more we would get stress, whereas the slower we breathe, the more we calm down. And the fact that we can just do a simple technique like 478 means we can take back control. Because mm. I think a lot of the time the reason we hate the negative emotions is because we feel like we've lost control because we're just handing over to the thoughts. But actually we, we can be in control of that. Absolutely, we can. And, and I can't stress enough how important this felt sense is it gives us a possibility to be with whatever is without being overwhelmed. And, mm. and this is an acquired capacity. So we are pretty much enlarging our inner container so we can be with everything, all the live experiences that coming through us and, and go through them without feeling like they're overtaking us and we're losing our connection to ourselves. It's a practice. Like it takes you know, some practice to exercise that muscle of noticing what our body is doing? It certainly does. It like anything else, the more you do it, the better you get with it. And we actually begin to support our nervous system, not to react, but to respond. So if the container is full and we keep stimulating ourselves, of course, we're going to be reacting. But when we are going through the practice, we are discharging whatever our nervous system is holding and creating space for in this container to hold more. Guten, my one question is around this sense of uh, taking the breath and, and entering our bodies rather than the emotion. How do we know we're not just suppressing that emotion? Suppressing, you are telling yourself, I'm not going to feel that and you're tightening up. 
we're doing actually quite on the contrary. We are allowing ourselves to feel, but shifting our attention away from the charge into the body that right away begins to shift um, the intensity. So the notion of suppressing is kind of, uh, I feel really, really sad about that thing. I don't want to feel sad, so I'm going to push it out of my mind. Whereas actually we're doing the opposite. We're actually going, right now, I'm feeling really sad and I'm going to let myself. Yeah, I'm going to let myself feel sad or angry or frustrated, but I'm going to actually feel how this is reflected in my physicality. So I'm not going to deny myself feeling. It's great. We are emotional beings. Humans have emotions. Why deny ourselves that? But when the emotions are taking over our lives and running us instead of, um, instead of us being actually present and allowing this space for reflection and, and respond, then rather than reacting, then we start to lose ourselves in that emotional charge. But to actually allow the emotion to flow and it moves quickly and then there's space. Something that I find quite helpful when I feel a very strong emotion and to avoid from getting caught up in all the thoughts of the emotion is I just then start naming all the sensations that I'm feeling in my body out loud. Oh, yeah. And then that way you are with the physicality. I'm also saying something out loud and it allows me to, I guess, vocalize mm-hmm. what's going on. Um, and that's just a very practical, simple way to go, I feel the tension in my jaw and my neck, uh-huh. and my shoulders. Oh, that's tight too. That's quite tingly. And it brings you back to the present moment. Yeah, I like that. But also I think it's important to make the point that you, you know, you can feel the same emotion over and over and over. This is not a cure as in you're never going to feel that emotion again. It's just a way of responding to it when it comes on you. Like well, it's that you, of course, we're, we're going to continue to feel these things. Exactly. And we're always going to feel anger in different situations. We're always going to feel sadness in different situations and, you know, the whole range of different emotions. I guess this is about becoming more agile with your emotions. This is about understanding what you're feeling and not getting caught up in them. Yeah, not being stuck in those emotional responses. And it doesn't take a lot. This is the thing that I'm loving about it. You've mentioned five to 10 breaths and that's something that we could do anywhere, anytime with any one there, right? Like you don't have to tell yes. people that you're doing yes. the four, seven, eight exercise. You can just <laughs> breathe quietly. <laughs> so, and I think the key is for, about this conversation is that when we feel an emotion, it's about actually stepping into what our body is doing and feel it that way rather than getting caught up in the thoughts attached to it. Yeah. So like, for, for example, if I think of that time when I got really, really angry in the car, I can remember, even now, the tingling and warmth at the back of my neck. Mm. And it traveled from the back of my head, down my neck, down to my shoulders. And you're right, it actually did pass in about 90 seconds when I, <laughs> when I reflect on it. Yeah. But if you stepped into the, and trust me, I've had a fair amount of heightened emotion on a road trip too. Why, why do we do this to ourselves? You're stuck in a car together for hours. <laughs> I know. And all it takes is just giving the wrong directions and you're lost somewhere in the middle of the outback. And then, yeah, I've had fights with my husband about that too. Um, and rather than get caught up and, and I actually, it's funny when you say Gitan, it's like a drug, that sense of adrenaline. I really kind of attach myself to the 
anger and the aggro that came with it rather than going, okay, I'm real, I've just got to really breathe into where I'm feeling this in my body and just let it pass. And then I'll be able to think more clearly then as well. Because, mm. you know, you do shut down your thought process when you're in that space. And it doesn't take too long. To get to the emotional brain, it's eight milliseconds, whereas it takes 40 milliseconds to actually go through the thinking part of your brain. Ah, oh, it's too long. <laughs> too long, it's <laughs> 40 milliseconds. <laughs> so imagine if you could pause for just one second or two seconds, like you just take one breath even. That gives you the opportunity to pause and respond as opposed to react. Our thought process keep constantly feeding our emotional responses. So the moment we step away from that and into the body, which is not a thought exercise, the emotional reaction begins to diminish. And this is a beautiful way to practice. I, I love it. And what's our challenge for today? What is our action or what, what do we give ourselves permission to do today? If we're seeing, if we're feeling that sense of like, oh, I'm, I'm, I've got a an emotion that I'm not enjoying. Oh, I give myself permission to take three deep breaths. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Just slow down and breathe. Step, step into that feeling of, oh, the calm that comes with that. Yuten, thank you so much. You thank really you. have reminded me. Our bodies tell us what we need to do, really. Don't thank we? you so much, Joe. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, thank Yuten. You. In our next episode, we talk about change. Now, we all know change is inevitable in life, but how do we navigate it so that we can embrace the change in us with openness and positivity and not that feeling of loss? Well, we're going to learn about letting go of the old and bringing in the new and about finding ways to really understand who we are. That's in the next episode of Best of You. Best of You was created in collaboration with The House of Wellness. Written and presented by me, Joe Stanley, and my co-host, Dr. Jamie Lee, executive producer, Alex Mitchell, and audio production by Nicola Sitch. Listener.